Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. And if you missed it, we are uh, in week two of a new series called Creature Comfort. And if you missed week one, I encourage you to go back, check it out on the podcast. Um, I think the we talked about pride, and I think it was very helpful for us as we um, consider the sin of pride. And um, tonight we're in week two, and uh, Creature Comforts, the reason we're calling this series that, I'm sorry, Jared, do I feel off-center to you? I feel like I'm, there's like an X back here, but it, that says the center, but I feel so off-center. Keep going. There. That, wait, really? Wait, Jared's messing with me. All right. Um, yeah, I feel very off. That feels a lot better. Okay. Maybe if everybody could, if we, I'm just kidding. All right. Um, Creature comforts, and basically the idea of this series, um, creature comforts are exterior or material comforts that contribute to physical ease and well-being. And we tend to seek comforts to cover up issues deep down. A lot of the times when we're feeling pain or worry or frustration or things that hit us on a deeper level, we try to find things to mask or cover up those real um, feelings that we're experiencing. And so we find all sorts of things to cover up that pain. And so we're looking at sort of the deeper things. We're addressing what's going on deep down, the heart issues. And we're talking about what has been called the seven deadly sins. Now we're talking about the vices, what those seven, virtu- or, uh, seven deadly sins are, and then the virtues that help us fight those sins. Sort of the menaces that plague the Christian, and then the mercy of God that helps us overcome. Now the seven deadly sins are, and I'll say this every week to sort of help us, um, but pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, and sloths. I'm just kidding, just sloth. Um, and tonight, we're going to start, uh, or we're going to continue with week two, and we're going to talk about greed. Talk about greed. Greed is a desire for more stuff. And then I'm going to give you a list of what the rest look like. Pride is more self. Lust is more pleasure. Envy is more of theirs. Gluttony is more entertainment. Wrath is more emotions. And laziness is more comfort. So tonight we're going to talk about greed. Sound good? Talk about greed. All right, 1 Timothy 6, verse 6, it says this. Now godliness with contentment, everyone say contentment, is great gain. For, ready for this, we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. Somebody say content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I want to read the last verse one more time. For the love of money is root of all kinds of evil for which, for money... Some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many 
sorrows. Let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to us tonight. And Lord, as we talk about the sin of greed and one that really lies under the surface for probably most of us, God, we pray that you would help us to identify it in our own hearts. And Lord, would you set us free from it and find ways to overcome these things. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard an interesting statistic this week, um, and that is that there are over 58,000 storage unit facilities in the U.S. Okay, so over 58,000 storage unit facilities in the U.S., not just individual units, um, but entire facilities. In fact, many of you guys might have noticed on your way uh, to church, uh, there's the lot right on 60 that's being uh, renovated now, or at least the lot is being cleared. And that will be, I'm letting you know right now, that will be another storage unit facility. So if you're like, I wonder what's going to go there, I'm telling you right now, it's storage units. Woohoo! Yeah! Aren't we excited? Something to do on a Friday night. Storage units. Um, there are more storage units in the U.S. than Starbucks, McDonald's, Walmart, CVS, Walgreens, and 7-Eleven, ready, combined. People say, you, you'll hear people say that there, there's like a Starbucks on every corner. In fact, storage units outnumber Starbucks 10 to 1. There are 10 times more storage unit facilities than there are Starbucks in the U.S. Just to sort of understand in comparison, there's about 4,000 total facilities in all of Europe. So we have somewhere around 60,000 facilities in the U.S. In all of Europe, they have about 4,000 facilities. On average, people spend about $1,200 a year to save stuff that's probably worth a couple hundred bucks. Um, and many people never do anything with what's in their storage unit. In fact, there are TV shows about people bidding on abandoned storage units, <laughs> hoping they'll strike it big with what's inside. And usually they make a couple hundred bucks. Storage Wars, it's actually a great show. If you haven't seen that show, shout out. All of this to say, people are obsessed with stuff. Not only do we pay for our homes for ourselves, but many people pay for homes for their stuff. And they pay yearly <laughs> to keep hold of their, their stuff. Now, I'm not saying if you're, you or your family have storage units that that's wrong. What I am saying is that there's a tendency for us to acquire and accumulate more and more stuff. And greed is a sin that runs so rampant in our culture, most people would fail to realize that they struggle with the sin of greed. In fact, I've never once had someone come up to me after a youth night or after preaching in the service in the main sanctuary and saying, hey, would you pray for me? I've got some stuff going on. I'm really struggling with greed. Never once has anybody ever said that to me. Lust, yeah. Anger, absolutely. Bitterness, definitely. Sickness, for sure. But never once has anybody said, hey, I really struggle with greed. In fact, 
we're told that this sin leads to all kinds of other sins. In the verse that we read tonight, it says that many people have actually strayed away from the faith because of their greed. So not only is greed something that leads you to a level of emptiness that we'll talk about in a few moments, but also it's something that leads you away from your relationship with God. We, we would never even associate the two. In fact, greed is so common um, in, in our culture. The greedier you are, or at least you present yourself, it seems like you're more successful. And it's so underlying in our, in our world that we probably wouldn't even recognize it if we dealt with it. Now, greed, let's define it. We're going to walk through this tonight. Greed is the desire or obsession with material wealth or gain. It's the pursuit of those things, um, no matter what it takes, no matter how moral or immoral. The word used here literally, the, when it, in the verse that we read when it talked about greediness, it literally means to stretch out oneself, out to clutch or grasp something. It's to reach after or desire something. And it carries the idea of trying to grab something you can't hold. King Solomon, who was one of the wisest and wealthiest people to ever live, he would describe things like this, like grasping for the wind. Ever try to catch the wind? <laughs> Doesn't work. And the idea of, of reaching out for or greediness is like grasping for the wind. And greed, like every sin, impacts your view of yourself. It impacts your relationship with others. And it impacts your relationship with God. Greed impacts your view of self because it tells you that, you, what, uh, it tells you, um, that your value is based upon what you have. Greed impacts your view on yourself because it tells you that your value is based upon what you have. And what you're missing is something exterior. You need to, you need to get that thing. You need to experience that thing. You need, to, you need to acquire that, and then you will be more valuable. And you are only as valuable as your experiences or your money or your power. And so, so in order to be valuable, you need to get more. And so greed, it impacts your self-worth. Greed impacts your identity. Greed impacts how you view yourself. Greed also impacts your relationship with others because it views people as a means to get more means. We tend to reduce relationships down to a way to get ahead for myself. Every relationship becomes networking, especially the older you get. One of the worst experiences of my life, no joke, is I went to lunch with some of my friends. It was a couple friend of my wife and Hannah, or my wife and I, and uh, we went to lunch with them. We were, having a, we were having a great conversation. Life was good. We were catching up. We hadn't seen them in a while. And then they hit us with it at the end. They said, do you want to buy this thing that we're selling? And the whole lunch was a, was a Trojan horse for them to sell us stuff. I felt so violated. I was like, we're friends. I know you. What is this? And all of a sudden, our relationship was reduced to a networking opportunity for them to get ahead. Greed, not only does it impact your, your, your view of yourself and your relationship with others, but it also impacts, um, or, or, or it impacts relationships because uh, there becomes really competition and strife within relationships. So not only do people become a means 
to more means, um, but also there becomes competition because if, if you have it, then I don't have it. And there becomes this, this un, uh, sort of unspoken jealousy or frustration or bitterness towards people because when they got that thing, that means there's one less of that thing for me to get. And so relationships become impacted. And then third, not only of self and relationships, but your relationship with God. Greed is essentially saying that if I just had that thing or more of this, then I would be happy and satisfied. It's putting your trust or your satisfaction in things other than God. And if money or stuff or achievement will make you content, then you're saying, I don't need God. Right? If you're saying, if I could just have more money in my bank account, if I could just have more gas in my car, if I could just eat at fancier restaurants, if I could just travel more, if I could just have this thing, then I'd be content. And what I'm missing is that, that thing. And what we're saying is that God isn't the one that satisfies. It's that thing that's going to satisfy. Listen to how Colossians chapter 3 puts it. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, listen, and greed, which is idolatry. Put to death greed, which is idolatry. Idolatry is putting things over your relationship with God. It's saying that this matters more to me than God. That this, this is the sort of top priority in my life. And really, you can see what you worship by where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you spend your attention. Right? The most valuable things to you are going to sort of be an outflow of all those things. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if you put your heart in the right place, your treasure will follow that. And yet, for many of us, it's so easy to make things or experience or money or whatever it is sort of the top in our life. And the Apostle Paul to the Colossian church would say, that's idolatry. Greed is idolatry because it puts your hope in other things apart from God. And so greed, it, it, it is a desire for more, desire really for more material things, stuff, belongings, money, possession. And it impacts your view of yourself. It impacts your relationships with others. And it impacts your relationship with God. So that's what greed does. What does greed look like? Well, number one, greed, it confuses wants and needs. Greed, practically in your life, what it's going to look like is it's going to confuse or blur the line between your wants and your needs. Uh, Gandhi, who is not a Christian but a philosopher, said this, quote, The world has enough for everyone's needs, but not everyone's greed. The world has enough for everyone's needs. In other words, you can, you can there's enough to go around, <laughs> You don't need more. You don't need that possession. You don't need that thing. But it can't satisfy. Nothing can satisfy everyone's greed. The problem is when we get fixed on living for things that we think we need when we don't actually need them. Jesus would say that the greatest commandment and the golden rule is to love God with all that you are and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is the, the greatest commandment. And it's the golden rule. 
And the reality of that is you don't need much to do that. You don't need a whole lot to love God with everything that you are. And you don't need a whole lot to love your neighbor as yourself. And the philosophy of Jesus is that if you live that way, you have all that you need. Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom of heaven, which means love God and love your neighbor, and all of these other things will be added unto you. Specifically, in context, when Jesus says that all of these other things will be added to you, he's talking about our desire or our worries to acquire more stuff, whether it be clothing, protection, or food. That's what he says. He says, don't worry about those things. Don't worry about the food you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, the clothes that you have, your appearance, your experiences. Don't worry about that. Instead, seek first the kingdom of heaven. Live for loving God and loving people. And he says, all of those other things will be added unto you. The philosophy of Jesus says that you don't need a whole lot to live a satisfied, fulfilled, purpose-filled life. And greed confuses your wants and your needs. You think, oh, I need this. I can't live without it. If only I had that. If I could just, and whatever it is. It could, it, it, you know, it's, so for some of us, it's literally like dollar signs. We're like, yes, if I had more money. But others of us, it's like, oh, if I could just do this. Or I could just experience that. Or I could just have some more of this. Then I'll be... I need it. And it confuses wants and needs. The second thing that greed does is it thinks more will be enough. One of the things about greed is it thinks that more will be enough. A guy by the name of John D. Rockefeller was asked how much money is enough. Now at the time he had a net worth of about 1% of the entire U.S. economy. Um, he owned 90% of all oil, of all the oil and gas industry. He was worth about 1.4 billion in 1937. That would be the equivalent today of being worth two trillion dollars. And they asked this guy, "Hey, how much money is enough?" And his response, famously, "Quote, just a little bit more," because it's never enough. You would think you're worth $2 trillion. Like, I can go to bed. <laughs> I, I, I've got it. I figured it out. And yet, it's always just a little bit more. And living for more is that perpetual carrot at the end of the string. We think that once we get there, we'll be happy or satisfied. And greed will make you spend your whole life chasing something that you will never get and will never satisfy. That's the thing about greed. It, you're chasing something you, you're never going to get. And even if you could get it, it's not going to satisfy. Do you know what's funny? I, I, in, in studying for this teaching tonight and Googling quotes about greed and things like that, it, it's crazy. All of the quotes, especially from wealthy people about money, is that it's, it, it's not worth it. Pretty much you, you Google it. You're like, okay, quotes about having more money, or quotes about greed, or things like, everything is like, don't waste your time. And yet, and yet two things. One, they spent their whole life doing it. And two, we think we'll be the exception. 
In fact, there's probably some of you here tonight that's hearing this and thinking, well, no, 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 no. If I got what I was after, it would make me happy. I know, okay, that's, that's good for other people. Yes, they need to hear that. It's never going to make them happy. But you don't understand. When I get that thing, like when my parents finally let me get a cell phone, or, 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 or when, I, when I get to go to that school and I get that job, or when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm experiencing that thing, I know it, it's going to make me happy. I know it'll be enough. I know it'll be exactly what I'm after. Can I tell you, it's not going to be enough. Because more is never enough. You never get to the point where you're like, ah, yes, I'm done now. I've experienced it all. I've done it. I'm good. I'm just going to sit back, relax, and trust God. The thing with greed is it always tells you, it thinks that more will be enough. So, if greed impacts your view of yourself, your relationship with others, your relationship with God, if greed is this, this perpetual confusion of wants and needs where you think that I, I need this, in reality you don't, and if it thinks that if I could just have more, then I'll be enough, how do we combat it? How do we, how do, how do we fight Greed, what's the antidote? What's the virtue to help us overcome this vice? Well, you guys said it twice while we were reading our text. It's contentment. It's contentment. In our text in 1 Timothy, we're told to be content. The word contentment, it's, the definition is this. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. A life contented with its lot. A perfect condition of life which no aid or support is needed. A life contented with its lot. He tells us two ways in these verses to be content. First one, verse 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. You could put it like this. Godliness is our goal, not gain. Godliness is our goal, not gain. You know what's sad? I think it's part of our sort of 60,000 storage unit facilities mentality is that we even view God as a means to an end. We often view our relationship with God as a, as a means to maybe it's blessing. Maybe it's favor. Maybe it's purpose. Like, okay, if I walk with God, he's going to give my life meaning. Maybe it's joy. Uh, the Bible talks about joy that, that we can experience in God, so I'm going to follow God to get joy. Maybe it's friendships. We feel alone, and we're like, I, I just need friends, and so maybe God will give me friends. And it's so easy for us to reduce our relationship with God as a means to an end. As if godliness is just a reason to get more stuff. <laughs> And yet, it's so easy in our, in our day and age to think like, okay, yes, yes, yeah, I'm coming to church because the pastor's got a message that's going to help me and what I'm going through. And, and then I'm going to go home and, I, and then I'm going to have what I'm looking for. The problem is that's, that's not it. In the text, in context, he warns against people that are preaching that, that relationship with God is a means to an end. He says, that, that's not what it's about. And then he says this. He says, but godliness with contentment, that's great gain. 
In other words, what he's saying is that we must learn to be content simply in relationship with Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have, listen to me, all that you need. And knowing Jesus is great gain, both in the life to come and in the here and now. That godliness, in other words, holiness, or being transformed by God and learning to prioritize what God prioritizes and learning to live as God wants us to live and walking in relationship with him is great gain. And we got to learn whatever that looks like to be content. The Apostle Paul would say to the Philippian church, very famously, in fact, most of us would know sort of the conclusion of the statement to the Philippian church. He famously said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The context of that, what he's talking about, is learning to be content in every season of life with God. He says, I have learned to be content. The idea of learning to be content is just that. It's to learn it. Contentment is not something that we sort of um, inherently understand. We have to learn it. He says, I've learned to be content. I've learned how to be abased, or in other words, how to have nothing. And I'm content in having nothing. And he says, I've learned how to abound. I, I have more than I, more than I need, and I'm content. And then he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We have to learn, and, and God uses sometimes having nothing to teach us to be content. For others, God uses having an abundance for how to be content. But the point is, we have to learn to be content with God. And listen, if, 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 you can't, if you can't find yourself satisfied simply in relationship with God, there's nothing that will satisfy you. So we have to recognize that godliness is our goal, not gain. And then look at what he says secondly, verse 8. He says, and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. I wrote it down like this. Simplicity is our lifestyle, not more. Simplicity is our lifestyle, not more or having more. The Apostle Paul, again, writing here, says that we can be content with food and clothing. Now, this isn't exaggeration. This isn't a metaphor. Paul's not saying, like, ooh, what do you mean by food and clothing? Let's hypothesize. Let's sit around and think about what does he mean by food and clothing? Maybe by food he means all of these things. <laughs> and maybe by clothing, he means all of that stuff. No, what he's saying is to learning to be content with food and clothing. He's, do you understand that? He's saying that, he says, I want you to be content. He says, godliness with contentment is great gain. And then he says, and having food and clothing with these we shall be content. When we can learn to live this way, we can see everything else as a blessing, not as entitlement. One of the problems is, when it, especially when we confuse our wants and our needs, is we think that we deserve more. 
I need more because I deserve more and I should have more. And it's not fair that I have or I don't have. And it's not fair that they have and I don't. What he's saying is godliness with contentment is great gain. And with food and clothing, with ease, you shall be content. When we can live this way, we can see everything else as a blessing, not as entitlement. Worship team, you guys can come out here. I'm going to close. This is really a, 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 a heart check for many, of the, uh, for many of us. And one of the things about a teaching like this that's going to, we're kind of forced to move through in our mind, I guess, is that for some of us here tonight, God's going to convict us about specific areas where we've been greedy. Maybe it's in, in our appearance or, or with the clothes that we have and the way we want to look. Or maybe for some of us, it's, it's a conviction for um, sort of the, the, the ambitions that we have with an expectation that that's going to satisfy us. Whatever the case, with, with a teaching like this, one of the things we have to, we have to allow God to do is to weed out individually what that looks like in our life. And, and what I mean by that is, is, like I, the verse with food and clothing, with these we shall be content. That is a challenging verse. It, like I have a hard time even talking about it because it challenges me so much. Because I think about all of my wants all of the things that I want and that I blur in my life for needs. And I think, oh, I need this. Because if I, and so what we need to allow God to do with a teaching like this, especially surrounding something like greed, that we all have some level of, of sort of experience with, I guess, is we need to allow the Holy Spirit to check us in our heart with whatever specific way he's speaking to us. And then we need to respond to that in faith. And we need to not worry about how God's speaking to somebody else about this area. Right? Because it's easy for us to sort of play Holy Spirit for other people. Like, oh, you can't do that. Remember the greed thing. No, 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 no. God wants to talk to you. And he wants us individually, whatever that looks like in your life, to learn to be content content in relationship with God and content. I guess we could, we could say it like this with food and clothing. Let's talk about simply with what we have. Let's just start there. Learning to be content with what we have. Whatever that, because all of us have different things, right? Some of us are going to go home to a big house, you know, and a happy family and, you know, birthdays and Christmases are like, it's kind of ridiculous. And like if other people knew how much you got on your birthday, you'd be like, this is kind of embarrassing. And then others of you go home and you go home to a small, maybe apartment with, with just your mom or, or, or your life is totally different and birthday for you is, is completely different. And, and it's easy for us to think that if I had what they had or if I didn't have what they have or whatever it is, we, then I'd be content. And what, what, what God wants us to to live by, what, us, what he wants us to learn is how to be content with what he's given to us. That we can be satisfied with, with the life that, that he's given to us. I wanna read from the words of Jesus to close. Because Jesus directly connects our greed 
and our constant need for more with anxiety. In fact, he, he would say that these two are directly connected. They're associated with each other. Listen to this. And Jesus said to them, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. And then he says, life does not, in, does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, you're not going to find life in what you have. And then jumping down to verse 22, in between, Jesus tells a story. And then Jesus says to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. They don't have storage unit facilities. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you can't do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? You of little faith. And don't set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Listen to this. Sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. To the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. Jesus.